Yes, Santa Cruz, welcome to the Cannabis Connection. Hope you had a beautiful week, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Santa Cruz Cannabis Talk Radio. Before we begin tonight, I want to show some love and, and put some shine on a very special event that is happening this weekend. This is the Lifted Cannabis Tour and Happy Hour. It's getting to be that most beautiful time of year. Those outdoor sun-grown flowers are in, are, are in full flower. We're getting close to the Croptober harvest. Uh, so this is a very special time to experience a living soil farm nearing the peak of can- cannabis harvest. And this is happening this weekend on Sunday, September 25th from 5 to 7 at Lifted Farm. You can go for a deep dive into cannabis farming, how they grow organically to heal, improve, and remediate the environment. They'll be touring their farm, and it's a couple weeks before harvest for their cultivators for those cultivars uh, for viewing but that's a really nice time to experience and get into those plants at the peak of their cycle a lot of those terpenes are kind of swelling the trichome heads are, are transitioning from like a, a, a clear to a milky ripeness and a lot of the colors and the synesthesia of the pistols you know some of them when they turn color they have fuchsias and pinks and rusts and orange so it's a very fun time to experience the full spectrum of the products and the exceptional quality lifted farm they're a very special local farm they utilize a wide variety of growing practices that include greenhouses hoop houses outdoor fields a lot of cover crops and uh over 40 varieties of cannabis can be experienced at the tour so please check it out. Uh, this is um, on Eventbrite. If you look up Lifted Cannabis Tour and Happy Hour or email the Cannabis Connection Show at gmail.com, I'll be sure to, to connect you and um, want to support the little open farm tours that are happening here in this community. And, and that's a big part of the, of the broadcast is we're connecting the dots to all themes, cannabis, but also the psilocybin connection. I'm very excited to have Jahan here. He's a PhD. He completed his dissertation on psychedelics at the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco. His book, The Psilocybin Connection, Psychedelics and the Transformation of Consciousness and Evolution of the Planet. This is an integral approach. was published by North Atlantic Books and distributed spring 2022 by Penguin Random House. He earned his master's in consciousness and transformative studies from the John F. Kennedy University and his bachelor's from the University of Arizona with a major in philosophy and minors in physics, psychology, and mathematics. Aside from his academic work, he has undergone several major trainings, including graduating from the Hakomi Somatic Psychotherapy Program and training within the Mazatec mushroom tradition. He assisted the Psychedelic Assisted Psychotherapy Certificate Training at CIIS for two years and mentored at the School of Consciousness Medicine. He is an advisor for the Synthesis Guide Training Program at the Silo Health Peer Support Group Training Program. Jahan works as a facilitator for legal psilocybin mushroom ceremonies in Jamaica with Atman Retreats. And you can check out more at psychedelicevolution.org. So excited to have you here in person, live and direct. Welcome to the Cannabis Connection. Yes. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, Chris. Yes, it's my pleasure. Thank Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, so this is a very special conversation. It's um, I know you hold um, a a community group building that relationship with the sacred mushroom, Mm -hmm. and uh, maybe that's a great place to start is how did this relationship begin Mm -hmm. um, for you and a little bit of that that, 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 process. Please, yeah, in Powerful my life. experience. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely as a teen, it really kind of astounded me that there was a way that certain compounds could alter your perception of reality. You know, even at age 15, 16, I was, you know, if this exists, how do we even trust the rest of our senses? So it got me really existential and metaphysical. Um, at the time, I was also an atheist and depressed, uh, suicidal by the age of 15. And uh, once I graduated high school at age 18, I uh, went to go see my favorite band, Tool, play in Tucson, Arizona. And on the way to the show, somebody I just met gave me a handful of mushrooms. I took them, and I thought, I was like, this is going to be just an incredible day. Literally, I know it's probably going to be the most transformative day of my life. You know, thus far, I'm 38 right now. 20 years later, I still think about it almost every day. 
And I had this experience of time dissolving and beginning to feel eternal as if I existed before the Big Bang exists after death, that we're all deeply interconnected, that the essence of our being is love and that there is God and not some religious way, but this more kind of there's a supreme connective intelligence within everybody that unites everything. And that was astounding to me because I was an atheist at the time. I didn't think that was something that was possible. So it quickly reoriented my entire life overnight, and I dedicated myself to study spirituality and consciousness in every form I could come across. And to this day, I have not found a better method to create those relationships with the divine or our deeper part of ourselves than mm. those with the help of psychedelics, other plants, and fungi. Yes, yes, yes. Powerful experience. You speak, you write about the book is very, I have, I've just begun. It's a very exciting start to a, it's always fun picking up a new book and, and getting into a new flow and getting to know someone. And mm -hmm. so you're, you're sharing about that experience at Tucson and, and, um, you know, writing about certain experiences is, is tricky too, because a lot of psychedelic experiences are, are ineffable. But this, this connection tw between love and light, um, which I thought was interesting, and the voice too. I've I've heard a voice as well. Mm. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And yeah. this, you know, this co there's a cosmic piece too, because mm -hmm. that pursued your some of your your academic pursuits too. Totally, I had to pull towards cosmology. Cosmology, so, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you know, it was a physics major first for three years, and ended up getting the doctorate in philosophy, cosmology, consciousness. And so this overarching view of the structure of the universe really, you know, pulled me. <laughs> And, you know, even from the sense of physics, there's a deep interconnection to everything. But then we see that all in, also in biology when we start looking at mycelium and what it does to the rest of the environment and plants. And, yes. you know, it's kind of the context from which something like psilocybin arises. So, yeah, yeah. And I think it kind of opens us up into that larger perspective by itself. You know, psychedelics tend to do that. We tend to be on our closed little bubbles. And all of a sudden we realize that we're part of something much larger. And I think uh, it's a way that yeah. nature speaks to us. Well said. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I know, and the structure of, of the book, too, we were speaking to that beginning of the show, you know, orienting ourselves in the present. Um, those that, the Orwell quote, do, can you share that quote? Yeah. yeah. The, from George Orwell's 1984 is, who controls the past? controls the future who controls the present controls the past I'm well, that's it. yeah that's who it. controls the past so if we see where we've came from that creates a story identity mm -hmm. that dictates what is going to happen later because that's our trajectory that's but who has power here in the present controls the past. shapes the past for yes. us so, yeah powerful and i think it is a wonderful way to kind of explore these these complex conversations a lot of the the history and the research around psychedelics was kind of stalled and derailed with the counterculture movement some of it got a you know timothy leary did a, a number on <laughs> psychedelic studies but we do have uh a, a, a history in in some more indigenous traditions can you share a little bit about that in going mm -hmm. to mexico and and, totally. and that powerful like this this the healing ceremonies yeah just to tie those two things together between yeah. the indigenous and also what happened in the 60s um Yes. As Michael Pollan puts in his bestseller, How to Change Your Mind, he says probably likely the large downfall of what happened in the 60s is that our culture had no context or container for these experiences. Wow. So, sure. Yeah. And these traditional indigenous traditions, they've been this has been happening for generations and the elders are there and there's a cosmology and there's a context and there's a culture around it. So it makes sense within their their, their culture. Yes. And then Michael Pollan says, is what other point in human history had the young generation had such a searing rites of passage that the prior generation didn't understand, right? Yes. We're breaking our balance into new paradigm, a deeper sense of self, falling away from, you know, the, the conventional society. People are wanting to go to Vietnam War. There's all these freedom rights movements. And it yeah. scared the older generation that had a lot of power and quickly made things illegal. So the, we didn't have the context, but we still didn't have the container. We didn't have the ritual. We didn't have a facilitator, traditionally a shaman, sitting there holding space to make things safe and help people make sense of those experiences. So we can definitely look at these indigenous traditions, some of them going back thousands of years. You know, we can yes. speak about the Mazatecs, you know, yeah. that, that went and studied with. They're, they're descendants of the Mayans, and we know we have about 200 Mayan mushroom stones going back about 4,000 years. So Amazing. They've been a part of humanity for... Thousands of years. Oh, yeah. Our whole, the whole, since the, the whole beginning. Time. <laughs> since the whole time. That's the roots. That's it. Yeah, well, and, and that's amazing, too, that the, the, the connection with 
cannabis too has been a thousands thousands of years beyond yeah. this this prohibition beyond this draconian drug war beyond this you know it, it was kind of that similar time of just they were understanding there wasn't the context um you spoke to write a passage and i think that is something that's really important too mm-hmm. learning from that indigenous wisdom is this this idea of you know having a rite of passage and i think a lot of people would benefit in exploring that it just yeah it's just it's exciting right now what we're living in yeah. and you're in the are you based in the bay area i'm based in the bay area I live out very of nice Oakland. Yep, yep and can you speak to the present you know state of the union that's oh. chapter one <laughs> it is so exciting uh gives me a tremendous hope for our species as we're redeveloping this relationship to psychedelics for me they give me better hope than anything i've come across i see nothing that helps people grow and heal um as quickly and as effectively so for me it was bound to happen at some point we were going to embrace it i didn't know when i I knew at least seven years ago i was like i gotta commit my life to this you know i you know you know it's been 20 years now that i've it's changed me but i had to put all my eggs in that basket because i was like this is how it could be most effective you know started doing all the research the training and culture has caught on, I think, a lot faster than any of us anticipated. It's going past. Yeah, yeah. Just talking about, you know, the Bay Area and the decriminalized movement. You know, like I, I know quite a few people that started that. We went to the same kind of – we were in the same school, like CIS and so on. Oh, wow. Yeah, and Fantastic. so they were like – you know, they saw what happened in Denver with the you know, sort of the decriminalization of psilocybin, and then we're like – Let's just start it and start putting the decrim nature out there. And within two or three months, it passed. I had no idea it was going to pass that quickly. <laughs> you know, I went and testified in court and everything. And Good. it's just like How it's cool. been so uh, amazing. And I believe over uh, representatives from 100 different cities have reached out to continue that movement. As, as we know, it's just it's, it's spreading like wildfire. And I think it's, it's going to be going just global. Yeah. Well, and I love that it's this local change, um, mm. empowering local all politics is local. That's a very yeah. important thing to remember. And Santa Cruz, the city of Santa Cruz, adopted these. You know, we took that language. We we carry that going. The city of San Francisco just recently, which is huge. And then of course Oakland mm-hmm. was a very powerful leader in the space with cities like Denver. Mm-hmm. So yeah, wow, how exciting! And I would love to learn uh, before we go mm-hmm. back into the past. This um, connection, you spent time in Jamaica. Yeah. I would love to learn about these, like, you know, the important key things for this is I got an email today from a former guest that was just there and uh, involved in the same same work. Well, yeah, Jasmine was really articulate and expressing, you know, her, you know, her her takeaways, her her, Mm. what she learned. Mm -hmm. But I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience and, and giving context to a kind of layman audience yeah. that is learning about this. Totally. I mean, so I think it was five or six years ago, the first time we went out there, it was part of Otman. So we were the second uh, organization to go and start doing uh, psychedelic retreats in Jamaica. The first one was Michael Meditations. And since then, in the last several years, it's just growing like wildfire for sure. Um, so Jamaica's a very special place in the sense it's it's the only country in the world where psilocybin is not illegal. Wow. Right? And so, yeah, it's like, well, how did that happen? It's just, it never got (laughs) into their law. They just never made it illegal. They just never wrote it It down. Never, yeah. yeah. It wasn't even really a part of the culture. And so, I know, uh, the guy that organized this project, he was um, living in Canada, you know, did all the work, hired lawyers, made everything squeaky clean. You're like, this is a possibility. Wow. So, helped build the curriculum, helped build the team. We went out there and it's been incredible and it gives people around the world just a safe rites of passage to experiments you so, yes. so the type of people that tend to fly out there um are the kind of people that really don't want to break the law i think like half the population yeah. just doesn't want to they want so to be willing, they want to be a hundred totally yeah so they're willing is. to so there's like it gives those people access to finally deep healing, deep experiences. Amazing. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge. That's a huge. So there's a legal route. It's fantastic. Sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. Out in Jamaica. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Totally. So I also work and do consulting with synthesis in the Netherlands, and so that's like a, a gray zone. They got truffles you can use over uh, there. Yes. Yes. And in a year from now, you know, Oregon's going to be opening up, and we're going to have retreats and things there because they've passed oh, to make goodness. they've passed to make psilocybin legal. It just hasn't gotten an effect. So I see. It's full just scale a trainings of time. and everything. Thing. It's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's already 
Wow. And they've so, already said the yes. So. Wow. So there's there's a compliant way to partake now in America. You don't totally. have to go to Jamaica. Yeah, around the corner and and around to, the corner. And they've legalized the ability to train people too. So That's people huge. be going from everywhere around the world to train there to have that skill set. Yeah. It's very cool. And you were bar- you were part of that as well, right? I, I spoke in one bit? court case there. I have uh, synthesis who I work with from the Netherlands bought property in Oregon to start doing trainings there too. Fascinating. So once it starts going off, I'm sure I'll be doing some travel. Well, yeah, it's nice. It's nice yeah. to build these uh, these connections in these different areas too, and yeah. thinking about just the the people in these different areas. And yeah, it's very yeah. special that Oregon's right there. It's not far at yeah, all. Yeah, totally, totally. I think just with the medicines, it kind of opened you up in a way that like we're all in this together, just completely global. Yeah, that's right. right. That's and right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, one thing that is really in, in fascinating to me, and I haven't read the whole book. But is thinking about early tribal life mm. um, and primate psychology mm-hmm. and evolution and our relationship with the sacred mushroom and, mm-hmm. and many powerful ethnogenic plants and fungi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just kind of like I would love to hear you because I imagine with your, your – this was your capstone thesis, right? Wasn't it was it? my dissertation. Dissertation, yes. Yeah. So the, the amount of reading, the amount of mm. dedication and research – it's nice to to be face to face with a friend that mm. is, you know, could speak from authority from doing the work. Because I've read the works of Terence McKenna and nice. and love the McKenna brothers, Dennis too, and okay. and they, you know, they had their their theories mm-hmm. that are theories. And I would love to hear your thoughts about, mm-hmm. you know, this this evolution mm-hmm. with with the sacred mushroom. I love that you're bringing it there. Yeah, no, the the book, the research was a five year just dedication process. I read 75 books just on psychedelics. Oh, yeah, it was it was a lot. <laughs> And, and to focus on Terence and Dennis, you know, I think Terence is my favorite philosopher, period. And, and studying philosophy for like almost 20 yeah. years. I, think I love was, his dialogues. He was. I mean, the, the way he can talk. The and, most eloquent and, and, and engaging and speaker. Hold space, yeah. Yeah. Storyteller. Br- just brilliant on, on every kind of regard. And his idea, um, he put forward in the book Food of the Gods and talks about many places, is that the idea that we evolved and emerged into humanity because of a relationship with psilocybin mushroom. And I read that book at age 19, and fo- wow. yeah, focusing on evolution of consciousness and and in biology for almost 20 years in academia, the idea that we develop, you know, on every level, psychologically, spiritually, but you know, physically, and so on, and, and collectively, I hadn't come across a better idea of why we got here because it's a big missing piece. Like we don't even yeah. know how humans got here. Totally. And after all that time. Uh, I, it's just like all the evidence just kept building and supporting that. Everything I kept coming across with zero contradictions. I mean, I had to defend my dissertation on it. I'm like, please, is it for bring me an idea that counters this. I haven't come across it, but I see everything, <laughs> including the science supporting it. And especially compared to the other theories that it was the cooking of food is like the main leading one right now of using fire externally. But we have more free calories than ever before. You know, it doesn't necessarily lead to more brain development. And we have more tools than ever before. The, it seems like the brain has actually decreased in size since the agricultural revolution. Wow. So so the, the platform for people, I think, to f- more deeply understand it is to kind of begin to see what mycelium is. It's this large underground structure that interconnects all the plants in the environment, right? It, it created soil for plants to even evolve onto land. Yes, that's right. Yeah, fungi is about 2.5 billion years old. And so out of this huge living network that we've been on top of our entire evolutionary history, grows this cap and stem formation, the mushroom with psilocybin, that fits into the 5-HT2A serotonin receptors better than serotonin itself. Yes. And now we know in the MRI studies last 10 years, it creates a hyper-connected brain state and stimulates neurogenesis, the growth of new neurons. The brain physically begins to grow. Amazing, yeah. yeah it's such yes. a grounded explanation for the emergence of our brain, development, creativity, language, art, all these things that really make us human, we can see it comes out of this kind of ecological symbiotic relationship with these substances. Yeah, well said. Yeah, that's what's so fascinating, too, in this um, amazing time. We've, we've, we've heard the, the talks of Paul Stamets with lion's mane and you know Alzheimer's and, and wellness. I take a lot of mushroom supplements just for wellness, just for just to have that in my in my system, right? For immunity and for um, just brain function and the way you, you put that is yeah, it fits better than even our endogenous. That's what a lot of the CB1, CB2 receptor and cannabinoids and terpenes is. This is our nature connection. We are of nature, right? Mm-hmm. This is all kind of designed to fit lock and key mm-hmm. in in a way to just 
release and, and feed feed us in these ways. And what's powerful too is yeah the the, the development of language, development of these these connections, these tribal patterns, and the, and the development of spirituality. That's mm-hmm. a powerful, you know, so such a human foundation piece totally. to go through. <laughs> for me, it gives such a deep, grounded explanation for the emergence of religion. You know, as anthropologists will note, like, the beginning of all religions was shamanism, and so it's yes. this relationship of just eating plants or fungi in the environment, and then having spiritual mystical experiences, as studies have shown now since the 1960s, about 65% of people with an adequate dose of psilocybin mushrooms the right sudden setting have a mystical experience yes right so just a handful of mushrooms all of a sudden you're connecting with the environment and dissolving with it and there's no more chemically grounded dietary just ecological explanation of why we even have this awareness of these religious impulses yeah the, the, well and, and one thing too is like the road to Eleusis and this mm-hmm. kind of conversation with an, another book of the immortality key yep. Yeah, I think it's a very fascinating conversation with the works of, I mean, so many people, so we're on the shoulders of giants, right, for so long. And, of course, these indigenous teachers and, and healers and shamans and these traditions have really kept it alive. And there's the stewards of this sacred medicine. But if you look in Western culture and the, you know, the, the Socrates of the day, the Plato's of the day, they had these rites of passages, they had these psychedelic experiences, they had these connections to, uh, yeah, the psychoactive plants and herbs and the wine. It's very interesting to learn about. Oh my goodness, I haven't been paying attention. Well, you know, this is the beautiful thing about live radio. Sometimes people call in and might want to ask a question. Oh, so great. are you open to that? Please. Okay, great. Yeah, I never, <laughs> never had an opportunity to ask that. So cool. We um, we're in a great flow, but I want to give give um, respect and homage to the people calling in. So welcome Ben to the Cannabis Connection. Are you there, Ben? Yeah. Hi. Do you have a question or comment? Uh, yes. I appreciate the conversation. Nice. Um, I do want to. Add though that I, I feel like, um, as uh, wonderful as uh, psychedelics can be, there there is a shadow or dark side to it. It's not all roses, in other words. Um, with the uh, sorry, I don't know your name. The, Jahan. The Jahan. Jahan. Yeah. Would you care to speak to that? Because yeah. um, I feel like that's an important thing to uh, add to the discussion, just to make it a little more balanced. That's well. No, thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. I'm going to have him answer, and and thank you so much for the call, Ben. Yeah, I'm always happy when that comes up, uh, because there's a sense of almost like a gospel psychedelics because they are so transformative amazing that we get really high and talk about it. It gives the impression as if, like, for some people it is all roses. on a personal, for me, a lot of the times are very difficult. I mean, uh, there's <laughs> yeah, a good book, you know, called the "Decomposing the Shadow," you know, lessons from the psilocybin mushroom by James Weston. I think that just the title is "The Decomposing the Shadow." A lot of it is shadow work. You know, it's like. Um, I think a good metaphor we have is just going to therapy. Like, therapy's not sitting there all roses. It's like you're doing hard emotional work, but there's huge payoff. There's a sense of, a, of healing and growing. So Stanislav Grof, he was this great um, psychedelic research person. He's been working in the field for 60 years, you know, helps start transpersonal psychology. He said these medicines catalyze what he calls holotropic states of consciousness, states that lead towards wholeness. So whatever is coming up is needing to be integrated to feel more whole. And a lot of times it's pain, fear, grief, rage, you know. And so that's why the right set and setting is so important of having somebody you trust there, having a guide, a facilitator, a therapist. Um, I've had the most difficult moments in my life on psychedelics and the best. And they really go together. So we really have to hold space for whatever arises. And that means we need a safe setting because they could be absolutely painful and difficult. But I've seen if you stay with it, it can give you a lot of wisdom, healing, uh, awareness, and a deeper sense of connection to everybody else. That, no. Well, I really appreciate the call, Ben, and, the, and, and I agree, I think, a lot sometimes to to achieve the highs, you have to experience the lows and, and to get to this 
Growth hurts. Yeah, <laughs> it, it hurts a lot. It hurts a lot. You don't you don't grow unless it's pain. sometimes it's painful. In my experience, you know, getting outside of the comfort zone, getting to a place where it is no longer comfortable, right? It's it's a it's it's a profound. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if there's this there's these parts of yourself too that um, it's hard sometimes to be honest and to to be truthful to yourself of of those parts of you and when those floodgates are opened with these powerful teachers um yeah to integrate all of what comes through and like you said it's therapy in many ways it's it's life accelerated i've always Mm -hmm. felt that Mm -hmm. i've always felt in and so life has its ups and downs and so if you're going to accelerate life in a in a in a psychedelic experience well said, Ben. There's there's some dark times. There's some there's there's, there's the yin yeah. and yang, right? To have the light, you need For the dark. Sure. To, but there's always light after the dark. You know, there's yeah. you know it's darkest before the dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for that reminder. I do want to be respectful for one more call. Uh, thank you so much, Larry. Welcome to the Cannabis Connection. Fantastic program. Uh, you know, this your guest tonight, Chris. He's got to be one of the smartest people I've ever heard. So. Uh, I can't. I I would hate to say he made a mistake, but he said the the Mazatecs are descended from the Maya. They they certainly are part of that same uh, cultural uh, area back in history. They uh, uh, the Maya, the Toltec, the Olmec. Uh, the Mazatecs are there, but their language and culture are very different from the Maya, and they're they're not descended from the Maya. All but, right, thank you so yeah. much, Larry, and yeah, we'll let Jahan totally. comment on that. Yeah, my awareness of that, like even the statement I said, comes directly from the Mazatecs. Like having gone over there and visited them, that's how they see themselves, and that's what they had told me. And so, I mean, I'd have to go through the history books to really break it down the lineages. But from my understanding, it's like, um, you know, the Mayans were even before the Aztecs, you know, so it's um, it would have been maybe a thousand years back. Right. But eventually those people with the awareness relationship to psilocybin emerged and came into other tribes that no longer exist. So it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's hard. I I imagine there's a lot of. yeah, yeah, like you said, over the generations, you kind of intermarry and, you know, become one. We're all one under the sun. <laughs> but I hear it. I hear it. And it's good to be precise. And it's yeah. important, too, because a lot of these um, a lot of these indigenous uh, traditions, you know, they're very it's 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 a it's a oral tradition. It's a, you know, ceremonial spirituality. It's mm-hmm. it's a generational uh, wisdom that is passed down. The wisdom keepers, the yeah. grandmothers and the grandfathers. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's really important to kind of save that reverence in this new moment we're living in. Right. Yeah. I imagine yeah. to, to keep that going. Yeah. Something I saw amazing is I went to the, the Museum of Anthropology twice in Mexico City and to really see the differences between, uh, I'd say, the psychedelic tribal cultures of the Toltecs, the Aztecs, and the Mayans. And you see their artwork and their cosmology is so complex, you know, the relationship to, to even death and so on. And and not to put down, say, Christianity or anything, but once the, the conquistadors came and kind of broke everything down, then everything kind of went kind of flat and bland. Everything became around the stories of, you know, Christianity, which Christianity. is like the same stories all over Europe and so on and seen That's from the right. Bible. While before that, it was, you know, half human, half animals. You know, I mean, one of the main gods was a flying serpent. It's like yes. deeply interesting and archetypal. And so it's often when a lot of people take these mushrooms, you start to see Aztec and it's maybe even like Mayan just symbology, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. When you see their culture and the pyramids and everything, you're like, wow, like something very different was going on here than what, the way we're used to seeing things. Yes. Well, and what do you think about the relationship of those traditions with traditions in like other, like South America and, the you know, the the relationship of some of the North American tribes, mm-hmm. too, with the peyote ceremonies yeah. or the ayahuasca in South America and mm-hmm. Mexico is right there in the middle. It's mm-hmm. pa- I would love to hear your thoughts on totally. that. Totally. I mean, North Central South America is so rich in, in psychedelic plant and history. Yes, and, so, and art and yeah. culture. And, yeah. So uh, 
I've been thinking for a few years of the next book I want to write would be called Polypsychedelic America to really kind of like go through the present state and all everything that's happening. But the, the deep history in the Americas, I, I think it, we don't want to lose that from the collective consciousness. Yes. So when the Europeans had come over – um, the Spanish conquistadors were talking to the clergy, and their clergy just wrote down a lot of different instances that the local tribes had been taking psychedelics. You know, oh, we wow. know that for the, I mean, the, the Aztecs very well it. known. Yeah, so at the coronation of Montezuma II, the leader of the Aztec Empire, everybody's eating mushrooms on this huge like public wow. political ceremony. And there, there's you know relics of yeah psychedelic use all across North Central and South America. And not too long after, as, as some of us may know. Um, about 60 million people were killed in North, Central, and South America, you know, so it was about 90% of the population in these continents was lost, largely through disease, but also, I mean, there's an immense, you know, colonization. It was the largest yeah. ethnocide in human history, not just genocide, but the ethnocides where the culture was erased, the languages changed, right? Now it's, like, everybody speaks Spanish. Those were all different tribal languages, right? The religions were gone, the temples gone. We lost... So people came over in the Americas about 20,000 years ago. We lost tremendous, huge part of humanity's history, and they were really connecting with these medicines that really can help our world really develop. And it's because of them, specifically in the Mazatecs, um, that we even have awareness of psilocybin mushrooms. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, in, 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 yeah, it's, it's that, that, that old history, too, of, of, of that communion and how it was a part of their the, the everybody right and those mm. those sacred like the Montezuma coronation like what you said there it was powerful to mm. think of a uh, those massive civilizations and their connection with the natural world and their advanced knowledge of of astronomy okay. and mapping of the stars and yeah. keeping you know the calendar uh, these were very advanced peoples very advanced cultures and civilizations mm. that we could have learned a lot and it's it's that Orwell quote again yeah. he you know those that control now control yeah. the past. What comes to mind is uh, Jeremy Narby, who's this anthropologist, got this doctorate at Stanford. He wrote a couple of good books on psychedelics, including The Cosmic Serpent. But one that comes oh, to yeah, mind that's great. is a good one. Yeah. yeah, He wrote this book called Shaman Through Time, and he just this analysis of how Western culture has looked at shamanism over the last 500 years. Interesting. Yeah, and at first, you know, we looked at them as like Satanists and demonic devil worshippers, which then gave people the right in the Western tradition to kill them. Right, because they're Satan worshippers, and we're here bringing the you know the light of Christ. That's right. And eventually, we saw them as imposters. Then, then later in the 1900s, we saw them as proto psychologists because we developed psychology ourselves. We're like, oh, maybe they're like therapists. And then some of us in the Western world, you know, the, in the starting the 50s and moving forward, started taking these medicines with them, and they're like, wow, they're they're wise. They're, they're holding some deep level of wisdom. Yeah. So it's been this shift that we, we thought we were so much superior, and they're so inferior, and completely wrote them off. And then when we started to see the world through their lens, we're like, wow, maybe they have something that they can offer that we can learn from. I, I think in many ways we're we're being humbled by, mm. you know, getting back to the roots of, of, of that ancient wisdom and, right. and and wildly engaging with the natural world, um, a changing world mm -hmm. that we're all a yeah. part of and, and interconnected to. And yeah. we're going to have to rise to the occasion of, of some really uh, sobering, Things that are happening in the world with climate change, with mm -hmm. we, you know, my family's from the El Dorado region of, of California, and, and there's been the Caldor fire last year, mm -hmm. and then this year with the Mosquito fire. So it's two years in a row. This like small communities of gold country have been impacted by climate change, and then we had the CZU. Uh, in 2020s, a big fire on Empire Grade, and our family was evacuated. So we're getting kind of humbled by this changing environment and changing of the warming. You know, things are there's a lot in flux. Mm -hmm. We had a global pandemic as well. Yeah. Uh, with that in mind, you know, thinking about to rise to the occasion and, and new ideas. In 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 many ways, you're you have three parts in the book, and so mm -hmm. the third part is thinking about the future yeah. and i'd love to hear your thoughts too yeah. on you know segue into thinking about the future we've talked about the past talked about the present yeah um in in many ways i'm reading other books too the ministry for the future is this interesting fiction piece of fiction but it's a hypothetical you know not too distant future of people coming together all over the world to try to find solutions yeah no, absolutely and um in many ways i've had some experiences when i was 
you know, in, in the relationship with, with the sacred mushroom, thinking about some of these big problems. And sometimes that could help us look at things differently. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like my natural temperament is geared towards the future and, and, and kind of envisioning what it's like. And, and what I came to my understanding is that we also have to go deep into the past yeah. and integrate some things that we've lost and not understood, including like how did we get here? You're right, like it's a major piece. Like how do we know where we're going if we don't even know where we got here? And to really see the wholeness of the situation, you know, to bring those pieces that were lost. Like for example, if we, you come into th therapy for healing and we're doing deep trauma work, if we, you know, if the person has amnesia or hasn't integrated their past and their childhood, they're still stuck in it unconsciously. And it's only by integrating the past that we change their future trajectory and we heal them wow. on a personal level. So we yes. have to do that collectively. We have this almost amnesia yeah. of how we got here into the even deeper parts of our psyche that I think got to develop through these plant medicines. And so I think actually we need them to move forward. That's why we've been in this limbo and stuck yeah. because we haven't been using these compounds that naturally grow in the environment that almost bring a state of homeostasis and balance wow to everything so we're we're breaking through in some ways with the decriminalization oh, huge. it's a huge piece because yeah. now there's a little bit of access yeah. and for those that are very you know healthy and compliant law-abiding people there's options in the future in oregon there's options in jamaica mm -hmm. um so just getting access is the start and then yeah. going through our collective past totally to that, build mm -hmm. yeah to the heal from that the access and changing the the stigma you know we've been told in the western yeah, culture so for true. a few thousand years that drugs are bad totally and so we haven't had this, you know, ability to explore. As we sip explore, alcohol so. and drink coffee and take <laughs> okay. our prescriptions, like you're so right. Yeah. It's 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 a wild. Um, yeah. There's a lot of hypocrisy. There's so a lot much. of weird weird dichotomies yeah. and yeah and dissonance, right? Mm -hmm. Just cognitive dissonance and to break through mm -hmm. and to see some some really positive progress in a short amount of time. Yeah. So, I mean, there's like going to be a huge portion of the population that just waits for public approval before they do things. They know they, sure. they're law-abiding the and so on. And right. so once, and we saw that with pot. Like, as soon as it became yes. legal, like, all of a sudden grandparents are doing it. that just lot. never would have touched it. Absolutely. Everything can change so quickly. And it's, I see it happen with psychedelics all, majorly. People that never would have thought about it because it's a category of bad. And this of is course. good. To like, oh, doctors are talking about it. Oh, Michael Pollan. Yeah, right. he wrote a book. He's a, he's a world-renowned. Uh, food writer, you know, that uh, botany of desire. I mean, he's a gardener. It's more than that, obviously. He's been he's been very instrumental, though, yeah, because huge. he wasn't a um, polarizing character. He's totally. a very well-received, respectable uh, journalist and writer. And it's yeah. amazing to see that shifts and yeah. to see um, to see. The Paul Stamets too come and surface and yeah. and become to you know they're they're in in some ways on the level of like the Michael Pollans rightfully oh. so because he's devoted a lot of his life as a in a lot of ways on his own you know not so he's not so like highly academic but he's a powerful mind in the space and the research and the patents and everything it's been yeah. powerful because it was it was his experience you know and he was able in a lot of ways he speaks to that in those in you know in his interviews and and in those movies the uh -huh. yeah the fun guy yeah i mean he was holding and creating some of the first psilocybin conferences in the 1970s paul stamets really yeah and he wrote the psilocybin mushrooms of the world in, in 1990 that's right i have that text yeah, yeah, it's like a reference. And I feel like a lot of people in the early 2000s kind of moved away from psychedelics because, I mean, there could be a large cultural backlash. Like, even when okay. I decided to write my dissertation on it, I met a lot of resistance. Really? But by the time I finished it, it was celebrated because the rest of the culture shifted. It had shifted. Right? Yeah, And so yeah. This is, if the public starts hitting on it, there's momentum, then it's just easier That's to right. move into this field. In many ways, that was our experience here on the radio. You know, we, we were just at the right time to start talking about cannabis on... FCC, these are federal airwaves, right? It's still federally not, you know, but they felt comfortable because there was a shift in the in the consciousness, mm -hmm. in the society, in CNN, in, in mainstream. When, once you started reading these articles and the columns and the opinions of, like, you know, the big newspapers and the big magazines, it really helps progress this conversation, and, and it snowballs in a lot of ways, and then you see policy change. Then you see uh, it's fascinating too. This uh, 
assist like the work of maps mm-hmm. i'm sure you're familiar i'm sure you're connected you know a lot of a them lot of yeah. <laughs> and it's this you know i i like the traditional approach personally and you know what, do you have thoughts on the you know the maybe the big pharma getting involved or you know some of these um because some of that is mm-hmm. part of the maps mission right mm-hmm. is they have that piece of their work is to it's like a pharmaceutical company yeah. yeah, I'm a fan of a little small background. Is a uh, Rick Doblin who started Maps. Yes, Rick He's been Doblin. working relentlessly for 30 years. So long. You know, I don't know if we could have much of this psychedelic movement without him. Just behind the scenes since the 1980s, you know, and he focused on MDMA because I mean it's right. so effective for PTSD. Yes. And you know, we went, we went and got his masters and the doctors at Harvard just to focus on drug policy. Just stayed with it even after the government kept rejecting the proposals. Got it passed. You know, and they were the first. The multidisciplinary associated psychedelic studies was this organization that was also, aside from the research and raising a lot of money that was necessary because it was a nonprofit, was educating the public in ways that other people just there was nobody else that existed that really was doing that, and and now that because they did all that legal work, now other companies can ride those coattails because the yeah. legal work has already done those tracks have been laid. Yeah, they they did know? the so, hard work. Yeah, the so they you know there's. As soon as money gets involved, you know, there's a either it gets it's more tricky. complicated, yeah. and then yeah. also people just come in with judgment. There's a lot of nuances, and so yeah. the law for them is because they did all that legal work, which again took them like 30 years. Yeah. They have about a five-year monopoly on the creation of MDMA and on the training. Okay. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I mean, I get 30 years of life, and, and since but they're also bringing this medicine to light that just wouldn't have otherwise, and so and they're helping people, a lot. Of, a lot. It's and so I, important. And I think they're really coming from. A really, really good place, you know. So, 100%. so, um, but yes, there's going to be a lot of other organizations that aren't. <laughs> it is effective kind of therapy, so there can be a lot of money made. The positives is we don't have to rely on them for these medicines. You know, sure. you could take a mushroom grow class. My friend Seth uh, from Oakland teaches yes, grow classes. Yes. Michael Rising, MichaelRising.com. He, he for a hundred dollars, he'll teach you online how to grow mushrooms. Right? It doesn't cost too much. No, it isn't. Right? So it's everybody can have personal access to these medicines. You don't have to go through a pharmaceutical company. Yeah, that's what's powerful is the empowerment and the the share, uh, you know, like the, 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 the principles of decrim is very important is just to have, yeah, just to have your access and to be able to gift and to share and to cultivate. And mm-hmm. you're so right. Yeah, there's it's not too hard and there's, these, there's low. We had a, a wonderful guest from... Humboldt fungi on the show. There was a there was a gathering in in Oakland recently. Uh, yeah, that mm-hmm. they all got together. Mm-hmm. But he was speaking to, um, you know, just the foraging in the redwoods of just culinary like lobster mushrooms, and you know he thinks this moment with the psychedelic research and the and the focus on psilocybin is exciting to inspire people to learn about all mycology and i think it's a really cool moment it's really i mean it is impressive you know to kind of bring it back to tie in you know cannabis and everything else sure yeah so like for people might know there's three large kingdoms on the planet there's the animal kingdom there's you know the fungi kingdom and the plants and of course there's more microscopic ones two more but so but these they all work in tandem and they've been evolving symbiotically for I mean, since the creation, since the, like, yeah, yeah. So the animal kingdom's only 500 million years old. The fungi seems to be about 2.5 billion years old, right? Jeez, and wow. so, as I mentioned, it, it created the soil for plant life to evolve. It set the soil, and then plants followed uh, the fungi out of the waters onto land, and then the insects did, and wow. then the amphibians. And so, so they laid the groundwork. Very much, you know. It's, um, there's a good book that came out it was like two years ago called Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake. Ah, uh, yes. For Sheldrake's son. Yeah, and he's uh, got his... Uh, doctors at Cambridge focusing on the development of fungi, you know, and he says about psilocybin is probably about 70 million years old. But just to bring it back, it seems like fungi was the very first root of plants. Like plants didn't have roots; it came from the water, and then fungi attached to it, and then the root Symbiotic systems evolved. Right. Yeah. So right now, wow. 90% of plants have a symbiotic relationship to mycelium, to yeah. fungi. 
80% of them would stop existing if mycelium went out. We're that intertwined, wow. right? And so mycelium connects all these root systems in the environment, sometimes stretching for miles, and it uses you know, electric impulses for them to talk, communicate, and also chemically breaks down and decomposes matter to feed plants and so on. And so it's almost like this large ground living web and internet. And I think yes. it's through this communication that even other plants start creating these uh, psychoactive substances, whether it's marijuana or GMT sure. and so on. It's because they're part of this large living net that's communicating. Wow. So that the role that fungi plays in all the plants and these compounds is, is major. Yeah. It's, it's the network that connects all the nodes together. That's correct. Yeah. Well, I've always felt the, yeah, there's a biological intelligence. We speak to this in a lot of our conversations with farmers all over everywhere from, from B.C. to Mexico, you know, just like we kind of cover the whole West Coast because we have similar terroir and, and experiences. Uh, that said, when you think about a lot of these large producers in like the salad bowls of the world or, or these kind of like factory farm, the big corporate grows, they're using like inert media and synthetic nutrients. Mm -hmm. And you think about the what's in that flower compared to some of these living soil regenerative, regeneratively grown uh, flowers, and you can look on a on a certificate of analysis, these terpene levels are so much increased. Mm. The, the the actual chemistry is, is is a richer, more diverse, and and and, and more potent uh, spectrum. Obviously, when you're growing something at scale, you know things kind of are they're kind of homogenized. Mm -hmm. It kind of hits this. That's why they call it mids. It's this hitting this middle ground of of a nice, respectable twenty-something percent cannabinoid T, you know, potency. And these terpenes are really small, but when you introduce that biological intelligence, they 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 swear by it, right? They mm -hmm. swear by that. You know, a lot of it is this um, this intelligence, mm -hmm. uh, which you're speaking to, and and a lot of these farmers are inoculating and they practice Korean natural farming and they practice where they're gathering um, lactobacillus, you know, it's bacterial, it's fungal, um, it's native and they bring that and they harness that and they learn from nature where it's, and it's, it's low budget because you're just, you're just facilitating what happens naturally in the ecosystem, mm -hmm. but kind of accelerating and, and nurturing things through you know, brews and teas and water. You know, there's these mm -hmm. preparations and composting and bringing in beneficials and, and the earthworms. But, yeah, it's this mycelial connection that is really empowering these small farmers and providing that ele element of quality because there's got to be, a you know, a quantitative reason why, you know, why would you support a small farmer? Well, this is, this is biologically intelligent. You can see it. The proof is in the pudding. Not only does it smell and feel and taste better, but the you know the test results are coming out because of the inoculations, because of these practices, uh, which is only really achieved on a small scale. It's kind of like those very special vintners in Bordeaux and Champ, you know these these winemakers and these family, you know people that have these long traditions with the land mm -hmm. and growing certain certain crops. You know they get they get those premiums and it's it's a beautiful thing and the big thing of 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 all of that is the living soil and the terroir mm. which is uh those indigenous mushrooms and mycelium are keeping that all going okay. especially through all these uh changes with the fires and stuff too mm. i imagine it's this is like that's how things we grow yeah, totally. it's important you know what comes to my mind is um so some people probably know it's like 66 million years ago, there's the KT impact. This large kind of object came from the sky. That's kind right. Of, and it killed off all the dinosaurs and so on. Uh, but it also created this amazing condition for fungal life to quickly develop. So, you know, as people may know, like dust went up and covered up the sun and there wasn't sunlight getting in. 90% of the larger animals, including larger plant life, died. But that created immense amount of food for the fungi that was under the ground. And people <laughs> that grow, grow mushrooms. Decomposers. Yeah, the first part of like fungal life is really living in the dark so now it's dark and all this food to eat so the mycelium really took over again and created even richer soil wow. out of which more complex plant life could evolve wow. right so completely now we have the you know the, the the evolution of fruits and then after that with that with the primates and so on so it was the fungus that played this huge you know part in the death and rebirth collectively for more plants and, and complex life to develop that's a powerful metaphor too you know that that deep darkness can uh -huh. help 
bring the the richer fruits. For sure, right? for That's sure. right. That's for a sure. good metaphor for mm-hmm. for growth. And, and back to what Ben was saying. And uh, we're getting close to the top of the hour. This has been a very very mm-hmm. enriching conversation. And um, do you think um, so? The next book is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what what what's next for you on this journey well, of yours? A lot going on. I'm Things. Yeah, 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 a lot I mean, going on. I'm booked out with you know client work for the rest of the year <laughs> as I mentioned I've been on like five different talks just this week and so, so I'm doing two talks tomorrow for those that are local in the Cap- Capitol how do you say it? Capitol yeah thank it, you Breath and Oneness yeah, yeah Breath and Oneness yeah I'll be there I'm doing a talk at two o'clock for uh, first responders vets nurses Great. yeah people in the, in the medical kind of field that might have PTSD it's focusing on PTSD and then later at seven o'clock more for the larger audience and talk about the book and, and there's going to be some music so yeah the that's, lovebirds that's yeah. how i found you uh-huh. uh my friend uh yeah frogman justin he's an amazing bass player and his and his beautiful partner they're going to be playing with you tomorrow at uh-huh. breath and oneness so <laughs> that's full circle man that's so cool so i encourage everybody to check that out and um yeah this is a it's a beautiful thing i'm really excited for more of these works to come out you know what a beautiful thing that this was um a dissertation, but now it's out in the world and it's, it's out there for the people. And I think it's a wonderful way to um, to connect. For if you're ever wondering or looking for that that deeper connection, it's nice to to kind of get in and get to know Jahan and his journey because <laughs> it, it does. It gives you that. Um, it's very well researched. It is. It's really well. I think that's for a lot of people. And that, kind of what what Ben was speaking to. It's important that we keep in mind that a lot of people don't there's still a stigma they don't understand and when you come from a, an empirical approach it helps kind of break down those walls right because this is a well thought out really well organized um nice work but there is this human element too that we need to remember that uh there's a lot going on and there's a lot to do and there's a lot of major challenges that will rise to but i mean that community that connection is where is where the magic happens that's really those early tribal bonds and we are in in essence an extension of nature and connecting on a mycelial level through our word sound and power through our ideas i opened this book and uh you know the i love when i see these quotes that really light me up it's uh, imagine is the goal of history imagination is the goal of history by terence mckenna and i agree I agree. <laughs> and if if we can continue to spark one another, we're doing it right. Sweet. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Such a pleasure, such a joy to be here. This is wonderful. You've been listening to The Cannabis Connection. I'm your host, Christopher Carr. Stay up, Santa Cruz. Have a beautiful weekend and take care of one another. We'll be here next week for more Santa Cruz Cannabis Talk Radio. Have a great weekend. And big ups to Chris and the family. Come check us out in Watsonville on Sunday and come through Breath and Oneness in Capitola tomorrow at 7 p.m. Have a beautiful weekend.